So we're beginning a new chapter here in Luke. And um, what we're going to be seeing here in this chapter is how the lives of four men were distinctly impacted when they personally encountered Jesus Christ. In this week's passage, we're just going to be looking at two of them. We're going to be looking at, at and reading about two of these men and how these lives were forever changed when, they're placed, when they placed their trust in Jesus Christ. Now, as we go through these two stories, my hope, my intent, my, my prayer is that you'll discover that in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of frustration, when things, don't be that, when things aren't going the way you want them to go, um, when there's confusion, when there's desperation, you can put your trust in the Lord. You may not understand where he's leading you. You may not understand where he's taking you. You may not understand everything that he's doing. But if you allow him, he'll take you to a place where he'll just shower you with Again, his blessings, more than you can imagine. Now, you'll also see that in times of desperation, when all seems lost, when nothing at all seems to be, when you, it seems like you've lost everything, he's not only able to help you, he's not only able to help you in those times, but he's absolutely willing to. And so, again, I title this morning's message, Jesus Changes Everything, because as, again, as we go through this passage, these two, the stories of these two men, you'll see how Jesus changed everything, absolutely everything in their lives. So before we begin reading, let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we are um, grateful that you've brought us all here, Lord, um, that you've brought us here for a reason, Lord, that you've ordained this moment um, eternity past, Lord, and, and I pray right now that your word will be spoken powerfully here, Lord, that the message will be delivered as you intended it to be delivered, Lord, and, and that you will soften hearts to, to be able to, to hear it and to just take it in, Lord. Lord there's a message here that you want to I believe there's a message here that you want everyone here to, to know, to understand, Lord. And so I pray that as, as it's delivered, that you will make it known to them. Plant that seed in their hearts, Lord. And for those that are watching and listening, I pray that you will um, bless them as well, Lord. Uh, may, you, may they hear, again, the word that you want them to hear, Lord. Fill this room with your spirit. Lord, and may we just love you and praise you and continue to worship you in this time. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. The Word of God says, As a crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's Word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, We've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me. Because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those 
with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's son, sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Up until this point, Luke had only mentioned that Jesus had been teaching in the synagogues of the towns that he visited. This is the first time he mentions that he's teaching outside of one. And it was more likely, more than likely due to the fact that he had gained such a large following and, and people wanted, large people just wanted to come and see him that there wasn't any room anymore in none of these synagogues. So to accommodate the large crowds, um, they just said, okay, well, let's, let's meet in an outside location where, you know, he can be heard. So again, they accommodated him or they accommodated the crowds that were coming to hear, to see and hear teach, teach, Jesus teach. Now, this may have been the reason why the chapter begins by telling us that the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word as he stood by Lake Gennesaret. Now, this was Lake Gennesaret is the alternate name for the Sea of Galilee and was sometimes referred to also as the Sea of Tiberias. In this particular part of the lake uh, was more than likely a well-known spot where, where the professional fishermen made their living and conducted business. Looking for a place to teach from that he could be both seen and heard. Jesus sees two boats on the edge of the lake that belonged, that were being used, that weren't being used and were unoccupied. The boat he chooses to get in belongs to Simon Peter, whose mother-in-law, if you remember, he had just recently healed. Once in, Jesus asked Simon to push out a little into the water. He then sits down and begins to teach the crowd from the boat. Now, I have no doubt that during this entire time, Peter was there with him in the boat, and he had um, Peter, uh, uh, Peter's undivided attention was on Jesus just teaching, you know, teaching, teaching the Word, teaching the Bible, and, and listening intently to what he was saying. Now, when he was done teaching, Jesus made one more request to Peter. Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now, in, in spite of what some prosperity teachers, preachers may say, this has nothing to do with attaining personal wealth. These words are meant to encourage you to let go of what you think makes sense to you and just to trust in the Lord, to trust him, to know that the Lord knows what he's doing and what he's asking you to do. Now, some of you may have been hearing from the Lord to do certain things. And you've been trying, you were trying to really think about it and trying to, Lord, I need to pray about it more. And, um, but you've been, you know, you've, you've heard that either a small, quiet, you know, whisper or the Lord just speaking to your heart or maybe the Lord speaking to you through other people. Um, but you know that he's been trying to tell you something. And, and so, again, he's, what he's saying is just to, if it doesn't make sense, just let go. Just don't worry about it. I'm telling you to do this. I know what I'm saying. Just do it. Now, just as he was, just as he was in the boat with Peter, He's in the boat with you. And the fact that he's there, the fact that he's there with you in that boat, in your boat, should give you confidence. It should just, it should give you that, like that feeling of, ah, oh, everything's going to be okay. 
Because you know what? He, he's not going to disappoint you. The Lord is not going to disappoint you. Service carried on by your own wisdom and strength is futile. The secret of success in, in Christian work is to be guided by Him. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says this. If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. So again, the point here is just to, to listen and just do what he says. It's not about, you know, if you let down your nets and, and by faith and, you know, you're going to get all this money. And No, it's just to, to trust him. Trust, trust in, in, in what he's telling you to do, even when it doesn't make sense. Now, what do we see as Peter's initial response? Well, in verse 5, it reveals how easy it is, how easy it was for him and how easy it is for anyone to go from being captivated, from being, yeah, that, that is awesome. What you just said, Jesus, is makes sense and it, it's great and it's beautiful and it definitely spoke to me and it was a great message to incertitude when the Lord now makes a request. When the Lord makes, asks you to do something, when the Lord asks you to apply that message into your own life. Well, here Matt, um, Simon says, Master, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. Paul was telling him something that Jesus already knew. And, you know, I guess in a way he was, he was trying to come up with some kind of excuse, some kind of an argument. But he could have came up with a lot more. He could have came up with all kinds of other viable excuses to reject this request. And I'm sure that if it were anyone else, he might have just not wasted his time. He might have been like, yeah, you know what? Nah. Uh, we had a long night. We didn't catch anything. We're, we're done. We're going to go home. You know, maybe another day, Jesus. But you see, by calling Jesus Master, it revealed how much of an impact the Lord had already made on Simon. Again, remember that he had just healed his mother-in-law. So he knew about it. He knew what he... He respected him. He was like, yeah, okay, Lord. I, all right, we'll do this. So again, he gave in. He gave him the benefit of the doubt by saying, but if you say so. And then took a step of faith to trust him by saying, I'll let down my nets. This shows the value of humility of teachability and implicit obedience. Now, here's an interesting question, and it goes to what I'm speaking about, what I was speaking about earlier. If God were to tell you to jump, will you argue with him because it doesn't make sense? Well, why would you want me to, why would you want me to jump, Lord? It, it's silly. You know, I've jumped all my life and you want me to jump right now like why or or do you trust him enough to say Lord if you say so I will I'll do it see your willingness to submit to Jesus uh, Jesus authority even when it doesn't make sense will determine how much that how much he can use you to do his work. How much he can use you to really accomplish his will in your life and in the, life, in the life of others. The Bible tells us 
that whoever is faithful in very little will also be faithful in much. So even if he asks you to do something as simple as jump, will you do it? It may seem small and insignificant, but, you know, he may again be preparing you for something great, something amazing, something, you know, something that's going to really make you jump. And so, kind of attitude, what do you have about that? Will you argue, will you try to make excuses, or will you do it? Will you say, okay, if you say so, I'll do it. Also understand that when Jesus directs our work, when he says to do something, we must do it according to his instruction. He says, I'll use the example of jump. He says, jump, just jump. You don't have to do all kinds of extra stuff and extra things and flap your arms and, and all that. You know, he just, just jump. If he tells you, you know, I, I want you to go speak to that person and just share and just say hi and just give them a warm smile. Doesn't mean he's asking you to go evangelize and tell him everything you know about Christian about Christianity and, and, you know, theology. and No, just smile. Say hi, good morning, whatever it may be. The Lord directs you, just do what he's asking you to do. Plain and simple. He's, we have to just allow him to direct us. You know, and, and again, we'll see, you'll soon see that sometimes, and that that smile, just that, that, hello was something that they've been wanting all day, maybe all week. And it'll bless them. But not only it'll bless them, but it'll also bless you. Well, because of that one act of faith and obedience, Peter's faith in Jesus was rewarded with a catch so large that their nets began to tear and two boats almost sank. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there comes a point when we must quit, when we too must quit hugging the shore and launch out on full surrender's tide. You see, as we move deeper into the waters of faith, as, you dis- as, as he calls you to pull out deeper, into those waters yes it may mean more hardship and it may mean loss but it's in these that we'll see the nets be filled with fruitless with with uh with fruit and the lord wants nothing more than to see your life overflowing with that fruit Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is in the Lord, is blessed. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. Notice here also that instead of claiming the valuable catch for themselves, for himself, Peter and Andrew called their partners to share in it. He called them and said, hey, come, come and see what the Lord is doing. Come and help us. Come and be a part of what's going on here. You see, the Lord doesn't call us to be reservoirs or containers of his blessing. He calls us to be channels through which blessings, resources, and ministries can flow to others. This is one of the reasons why I'm here. This is one of the reasons why those of us that are serving serve. You know, I'm, I'm tremendous. I've been tremendously blessed, and all of us have been tremendously blessed, and, and I want to share those blessings with you. I want to, you know, I, 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 I do, I sometimes want to just 
go out there and just scream to the world, hey, come and join us and be part of what's going on here. It may seem small, but I really believe God is doing some great things here. And I've been blessed, and I'm sure Isaac and Robin will tell you, and others will tell you that how much they've been blessed, and we just want to share that with you. And again, this is what Peter is doing here. It also brings me great joy when I hear stories from you, when you share with me and those in the church how much God has blessed you as well. So if something has happened, the Lord has, you've seen the Lord do a great thing in your life, don't hold back. Let us know. We just want to rejoice with you. We want to just be like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, and, and we want to be happy with you. So share, share in your blessings as well. Well, in an instant, Peter realized what was happening and who he was in the presence of. See, although he had seen Jesus miraculously heal his mother-in-law, it doesn't seem like it really had a profound impact on him. However, when he saw a display of Jesus' power in an area that he knew that he was familiar with and that he was an expert in, it completely rocked Peter's world. It, It blew him away. How could this guy who was a carpenter know exactly what we need to go and and know about these fish, that we were going to catch these fish. He, his mind again was just blown away. And then he, was, he also realized, he began to realize that he was spiritually bankrupt. As all this was going through his mind and it, it dawned on him that he was spirit, spiritually bankrupt compared to Jesus and was suddenly overcome with a sense of unworthiness. Through this powerful miracle, Simon became aware that he wasn't just dealing with a gifted healer or a simple carpenter from Nazareth. He immediately recognized that he was face to face with God and reacted as any other rational person would. I can imagine Peter just breaking down into tears and, and sobbing and weeping uncontrollably, falling on Jesus' knees and saying, Go away from me. Go away from me, Lord, because I am a sinful person. I am a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman, Lord. I'm dirty, I'm unclean, I don't deserve to be in your presence. This is the heart of a broken person. This is the the heart of a person who recognizes that they're really, how how much of a sinful person they are. Here's the thing, as I was alluding to, when a person truly becomes aware of the holy purity of God, they immediately become aware or immediately become conscious of their own filthy sinfulness. This is kind of like realizing that the white, your favorite white shirt shirt that you like to wear, that you've been wearing all the time for the past five years, six years, maybe one year, you're not realizing that, that it's been turning yellow, that it's been turning gray, not realizing that, that how dirty and filthy it really is until you stand next to someone wearing a brand new white t-shirt. That's what this is like when you realize and understand your own filthy sinfulness compared to that of the Lord, or compared to the purity of the Lord. Well, this is again what Peter had spiritually become aware of. 
and it made him feel unworthy to be in Jesus' presence, and it prompted him to confess his sinfulness. God's grace, ladies and gentlemen, is the key to ministry, the key to fruitful success, the key to victory, and, well, the key to victory in this body corporately and in our lives personally. I'm convinced that one of the highest forms of worship is when we're amazed by how good God is to sinners like us. How beautiful, how wonderful that is. That He's so good to us. Simon's heartfelt confession was precisely what Jesus was looking for and made him an ideal candidate to be a disciple. So first, Jesus reassured him by saying, don't be afraid. In the grammar of the ancient Greek, this literally means stop being fearful. And it's meant to calm an an existing fear. See, in that moment, Peter's fear came from in awe, the awe of realizing who he was in the presence of. But Jesus told him to put away that fear. See, sinful Peter didn't have to fear when facing a holy God. Why? Because God accepted him as he was, and he was going to make something new, make him something new. The Lord then gave him a new assignment. From now on, you will be catching people. Christ was now calling him to be a fisher of men instead of just a fisherman. See, a fisherman catches live fish so that they'll later die and then be consumed. A fisher of men catches the spiritually dead in order, in order to be made alive for all eternity. This is what true evangelism is. And it's what we're called to do as Christians. Luke then ends the story by telling us that when Peter, James, and John brought the boats to the land and, le- and left everything, left their, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now some would say that these men made a horrible, terrible business mistake and should have used the profits from that catch to invest in new boats, probably in, you know, use the, the, the profits to increase distribution, to go out there and make signs and make a name for themselves. Yeah, we had Jesus and, and he blessed us and we caught all these fish. Now if you come and join us, the same is going to happen to you. And, you know, they could have used it for their own benefit. And I'm sure they were aware of this fact. I'm sure they, in the back of their minds, they, they knew this. But they were convinced that what Jesus, that Jesus was calling them to do something better. Something greater than that. There was... They knew also in deep in their hearts that God was, the Lord was just telling them that, yeah, something greater is going gonna, is gonna to happen. So they left the job of cleaning the fish, fixing the nets, refitting the boats to someone else, and followed the Savior in faith. They left it all because they realized that what they have striven for no longer mattered. The only thing that did was pursuing Jesus passionately. Is that your heart as well? Are you pursuing Jesus passionately? Is everything that you're doing right now, is that more important in your life? Does that take, is that take center stage in your life then? following and obeying Jesus. Now before we end today, I want again to read, I want us to read one more story of another man who was, whose life was completely changed by Jesus. So let's go back to chapter 5 here and pick up in verse 12. 
while he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a, test- as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. In our previous story, we saw how a man became aware of his inward condition and left everything to follow Jesus. In this story, we see a man who had nothing, had already lost everything because of his outward condition. However, was restored by Jesus. This short story, this short but beautiful story kicks off by telling us that while the Lord is, was in one of the towns, there was a man there with leprosy. For those who may not be aware, among Jews, several skin diseases were classified as leprosy, including our modern Hansen's disease. This form of leprosy is a long-term infection by slow-growing bacteria that affects the skin, the eyes, and the respiratory tract. And because it also damages the nerves, the victim is often unable to feel pain. And if left untreated, it can, lose, it can lead to the degeneration of tissue and even the loss of limbs. This disease was contagious or is contagious and is spread by human to human contact. According to the World Health Organization, each year about 150 people in the United States and about 250,000 people around the world become infected with Hansen's disease. Now, we're not specifically told that this was Hansen's disease, but scholars that study this would probably agree, would say that this was probably more likely the case or the diagnosis here. Now, leprosy had been around for thousands of years, and according to Leviticus 13, Jewish priests were tasked to examine the people, to determine or or examine a person to determine whether they were lepers, whether they were infected with this disease. If found to be infected, a person was isolated and not allowed to return to society. They were considered unclean and undesirable. Yeah, you know what? You go live out in the desert over there by the mountains and don't come back to the Northeast at all until you're clean. These priests were in charge of that and they did it uncompassionately. They did it harshly. You see, they were despised men. These rabbis, these Jewish leaders despised them because they were seen as people suffering the special judgment of God and were undeserving of any kind of pity or any kind of mercy. So, even though a person may have a family, may have a good job, may, have, may be a respectable member of society, once they were found to have leprosy or be infected with leprosy, all that was flushed down the toilet. They were ostracized. No longer, they were, they were done. That was it. Kicked out of society. Everything that they had worked hard for, their family and, and their jobs, their status, immediately gone as soon as they became lepers. Like sin, leprosy is a deeper is deeper than the skin and cannot be helped by mere surface measures. Like sin, leprosy spreads 
And as it spreads, it defiles. Because of his defilement, a leprous person had to be isolated outside the camp. And lost sinners one day will be isolated in hell. People with, with leprosy were looked on as dead. And garments infected with leprosy were only fit for the fire. How important it is for lost sinners who trust in Jesus Christ and get rid of their leprosy. That's so important. How, I mean, that, that is paramount. As sinners, in a sense, again, we're infected with, with leprosy. And Jesus is the answer to get rid of it. Will you allow him to do that? Well, apparently this man, the man in the story was in the advanced stages of leprosy, but somehow he managed to enter this town long enough to talk to Jesus. His determination to be changed, to be healed, was so strong that he willfully broke religious law just to have one moment and to say one sentence to Jesus. And when he finally saw this opportunity, when he finally saw him passing by, he fell down, he fell face down before Jesus and begged him, probably sobbing just as much as Peter was, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. There was no way he could have said this to any other person, any other man in the world but he could say it to Jesus because he was absolutely confident in Jesus' ability to heal him. <coughs> so the question wasn't whether Jesus was able to heal, but whether he was willing to heal. Thus, putting himself, he was putting himself in the mercy and grace of the Lord. Then the unspeakable happened. Jesus reached out his hand and touched an unclean leper. The moment he touched him, Jesus was essentially saying, I don't care what the religious authorities say. I don't, I don't care if they think that I've become unclean. I'd rather be identified with you than with an uncompassionate religious system. This is a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for lost sinners. He became sin for us that we might be made clean. Jesus is not only willing to save, but he's also able to save. And he can do it. He can do it now. Our Savior then spoke the words that this desperate man was yearning to hear for a very very long time I am willing be made clean immediately God's floodgates of health and healing surged through his body surged through the body of this man and it says that the leprosy left him this wasn't a gradual healing it was immediate healing. Jesus Christ completely healed and cleansed this man. And as a result, he was now able to return to society and live the life that God meant him to live. Now, considering the previous story with Peter, there the master's power rested in the natural world of lakes and fish. Here now, in this story, his power lay in the human world of isolation, unclean, uncleanness, and health. Once healed, Jesus ordered him to, to tell no one. Now why? Why do you think he would tell him, don't tell anybody? Because he was trying to forestall the kind of publicity that only served to confuse and confound his ministry. It wasn't time yet again. 
Instead, he encouraged the man to see the priest and obey the rules of restoration for restoration given in Leviticus chapter 14. If you read that chapter, if you read Leviticus 14, if you read it carefully, you'll see a picture of the work of Jesus Christ in his incarnation, his death, and his resurrection. All of this was done over running water. And what's that a symbol of? The Holy Spirit. This sacrifice reminds us that Jesus had to die for us in order to deliver us from our sins. Now, in addition to presenting himself, in addition to that, he, he told him to present himself to the priest, or he was to present himself to the priest for examination, and there they'd be able to see for themselves that his healing was complete and miraculous. This should have been the evidence they needed to to see for themselves. It should have been the testimony. It should have been a testimony to them that the Messiah had at last appeared. But unfortunately, it didn't because their hearts were blinded by disbelief. In spite of the Lord's instructions not to publicize the news or not to publicize the news travel quickly, and large crowds would come for two main reasons, to hear him and to be healed. Nevertheless, instead of basking in all the fame, all the notoriety, all the prestige, the, um, popul- the popularity actually drove Jesus to deserted places for prayer. He had to hear from the Father's voice to determine where the Father was at work. You see, the Son wanted to be where the Father wanted him to be and where his power needed to be revealed. The demands of life pushed Jesus to prayer, not from it. As a man of prayer, he set an example for all of us to follow. Life gets, gets hectic and it gets hard. And people are pushing you and all they want is things from you and, and there's just no time. Jesus was one of the busiest people there at that time. He still had time for prayer. He still had time for quietness, for that time of quietness just to be with, with his Heavenly Father. So I hope again that you, it, there shouldn't be an excuse for you to, to spend time with the Lord. Yeah, it may mean for you to wake up a little bit earlier or stay up a little bit late or, or you may have to, throughout the day, you may just have to say, put a project on hold. But don't neglect your time in prayer. It is so important. It's so necessary. He wants to speak to you and he wants to direct you and he wants to show you things and and the only way you can do that is if you spend time with him as i close what we see here in these two stories you saw the lives of two men radically changed one was a fisherman one was a leper one wasn't really expecting For, for this change to happen, the other desperately wanted it. One said, if you say so. The other said, if you're willing. One was inwardly changed. The other was outwardly changed. One had partners and friends, co-workers to help him. The other was alone and had none. One, and, and, I, and I guess you can say three of them, forsook all and followed Jesus. The other had lost everything, had lost it all. But when he came, when he had that encounter with Jesus, he gained so much more. Two men, two different lives, two different situations, two different outcomes. What they both had in common though was that, was, was Jesus. 
They both trusted and believed in him. And both were amazingly and beautifully blessed by him. These two stories show us that regardless of where you are in life, regardless of what your situation is, regardless of what your backstory is and what you've been through, Jesus can radically transform your life. Jesus can change everything about your life as well. Now we have to just, we've only covered two stories here. Next week, we, I'm going to try to cover the other two, but he is able to change you. And guess what? He's willing as well. He's willing to change you. Don't ever think that, oh, I'm way too far gone for God to, to, to help me. And I know he's not, he's not willing. He is. And all you got to do is just ask, Lord, help me. Change me. I need you. Lord, I, I'm a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. Just like Peter said. And, and, and that leads me to the next question. Where are you in life? Have you spent years of your life listening to the great messages from the Bible? Have you spent your entire, a, a, long, a large portion of your life sitting in church listening to messages and you're like, yeah, that, that makes sense and that's a great message, and, but you've never really applied it to yourself. The Lord again has been speaking to you and you're like, yeah, no, I, I've got better things to do. I mean, are you, let me go back a little bit. Are you in the boat with him? And now he's asking you, Go out a little further and drop your nets. Will you listen and will you do it? Will you lower your nets though there in those deep waters and watch him just bless you? Is that you? Is that where you're at in life right now? Or are you like the leper? You're desperate. There's something crazy going on in your life and you're about to lose everything you've hit rock bottom and if anybody knows what rock bottom is like I know what it's like to be there you've hit rock bottom and you have nowhere else to turn and you're just waiting you've been waiting for Jesus just to come by you've been waiting for Jesus just to show up So he can fall on your face and say, Lord, and to say, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. Is that, is that where you're at? Well, he's there. He's passing by. And maybe he's speaking to you now through this message and is saying to you, yes, I'm willing. Wherever you're at in life, wherever... The Lord has you and he's calling you and, and you feel like he's calling you now to, to come to him and, and to surrender your life with him, to, to him. I want to invite you to do that. I want to, in a moment, I, I want to pray with you to accept him into your heart and, and to believe in him, to trust in him and to say, yes, Lord, I will lower my nets. But you must recognize your condition, and you must be willing to accept it. You have to know that you're a sinner. You have to admit where you are, where, where, who you truly are, and, and then surrender your life to Him. Surrender your, your heart, hand it over to Him, and say, Lord, do with it as you will. And He will cleanse you. He will clean you. And if that's where you're at, and, and you want to accept the Lord, as your Savior and you want to come to the cross now wherever you're at close your eyes and bow your head and and pray this with all your heart from the bottom of your heart Lord I am a sinful person in all reality I 
I don't deserve forgiveness for all the things that I've done. But you hung there on the cross to forgive me of my sins, even though I didn't deserve it. You took upon yourself on that cross my sins. I confess that you are Lord, and I believe with all my heart that you were raised from the dead. And So cleanse me now, Lord, from within. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins, and help me to walk according to your ways for the rest of my life. Fill me with your spirit. And thank you for making me born again. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, you're watching, listening, and, and get a hold of us, talk to us, call us, email us, let us know. We want to help you in your next steps of your walk. Um, and know that again you are born again and there are angels celebrating right now in heaven because of that to those that are here and are listening to this message again these two stories beautiful again beautiful stories of how these two changed and and i hope that you can see that he wants to completely change your lives as well jesus changes everything those of us that have been walking with the Lord know this and or have been aware of this for a very long time. And He continues to change. He continues. He will continue to change everything as you just continue to trust in Him, as you continue to embrace Him and, and obey Him. So let's close one more time with a word of prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this time. We are thankful for the, the, these two stories that you've given us in Luke chapter 5. Lord, I pray that if anyone is struggling here with, with issues and problems, Lord, um, with just things that they, they're confused or they're uncertain about, Lord, I, I pray that you will help them you will heal them, that you will just give them that peace and that comfort that they are yearning for, Lord. Touch them with your healing hand. Or remove the, that leprosy, that sin from their lives, Lord, so that they may be completely restored. Continue to speak to us, Lord. Pour out your spirit, Lord, and, and fill us so that again, we may be able to minister to others as well. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.